Today on the Potential Psychology Podcast. I must, I have to. Mm, it feels arduous, yeah. you know, and so I've started trying to say to myself, I get to, yes. I choose to. It is hard. There are many different things we need to hold ourselves accountable for, but by their very nature, if we have to hold ourselves accountable, there's some form of blockage and, and, and willpower required. So, you know, for me saying I get to, get up in the morning and go down to the beach to exercise mm. rather than have to, have to, have to, have to, which mm. just adds this kind of other layer of stress and overwhelm and feels like kind of unfair, you know, mm. have to do all these things. Yeah, yeah, it's an obligation. Yeah, and it's very different because we do get to choose and mm. we do get to say to ourselves, who do I want to be? How do I want to show up? And for me that are the answers to those questions are very much what leads me to be able to hold myself accountable. Welcome to the Potential Psychology Podcast. I'm your host, psychologist Ellen Jackson, and this is the show in which we explore what it is to be human and how we as humans can fulfill our potential. We're revisiting our How to Thrive series, co-hosted with positive psychotherapist Marie McLeod to acknowledge Mental Health Month and to delve a little deeper into the beacon model that Marie uses with participants in the documentary How to Thrive. For more details of the doco, check out our show notes. Great to have you here. I'm Ellen and I'm here with my co-host, Marie McLeod. Hi, Marie. Hey, Ellen. How are you going? Good, good. What are we talking about this week as we discuss how to thrive? Today and this week, we're talking about accountability. And accountability is a bit of an unusual inclusion, perhaps, in uh, a framework on how to thrive. But what I've noticed, and perhaps you have too, is how important holding ourselves accountable is. So I'm really looking forward to diving into this one with you today. Fantastic. Yes. And it is one of my favorite topics, accountability and goal setting. And this is the third letter in the beacon framework that we are working our way through. For those Mm -hmm. who perhaps are tuning in for the first time, can you Mm -hmm. give us a really quick rundown Mm -hmm. on beacon? So um, beacon is the framework that we're working with. It's a framework I created, um, evidence-based around how to thrive. And we are touching it on each of the letters, B for belonging, E for engagement, A, which is today for accountability, C for compassion, O for optimism, and N for nurture, which is about our physical health. And so just every week we're giving you a tiny tweak as a, as a quest that our listeners can go away and do and that we are doing too. And so perhaps we better debrief on last week's quest before we dive into this week's. What do you reckon, Ellen? Excellent idea. So last week we spoke about engagement being that experience Mm -hmm. of being in flow, that moment perhaps or those Mm. series of moments where it feels like time is standing still and passing quickly at the same time because we are really doing something that plays to our strengths as individuals, our psychological strengths. So we both set ourselves a little quest to have a look at our via strengths survey results. We've both done them multiple times before. What did you find and what did you practice perhaps this week, Marie, around strengths and engagement? Yeah, so I went and took a look look at mine and I had done mine last year and I'd done that because we, I became part of a new team at that time for the documentary and we had asked 
everyone on the team to do it. And so uh, I redid it then so that we could share with each other and have a conversation about that. So it wasn't terribly long since I'd done it. And one of the things I think I did mention last time that because I've been in lots and lots of coaching, perspective came up for me. But my my strengths are uh, creativity, kindness, honesty, zest, and self-regulation, which is very rare to have in the top strengths. That is very rare because almost everyone I debrief has it down the bottom, <laughs> including Everybody myself. Everybody has it down the bottom. <laughs> um, and sometimes it doesn't, it, 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 you know, things fluctuate a little bit. So sometimes, you know, things might change around a little bit. I might have um, judgment, you know, sometimes comes in my top five. But self-regulation, I think that's because of my sort of, you know, my ADHD tendencies that self-regulation has been a learnt strength mm, uh, to sort of counteract that. So I, I, in my later years and with greater insight, I think that's why I have become someone with self-regulation where it isn't very common, I agree, in, in people I see as well. So for me, what I was thinking about was I'm very curious and conscious about times when I overplay my strengths. I don't know that I underplay strengths. Maybe that's my sort of zestiness, but as often as I overplay them. And so for me, that can look like too much zest, you know, too much energy for certain people or at certain times. And, you know, kindness is another one too that for myself, but also for people that I coach that, you know, too much kindness to others are not enough for myself. I have to keep in check And I have to admit that I've been having a little bit of a chuckle to myself because this weekend we finally got to visit my brother who has a farm down in the Otways and he's actually a pilot and his wife's a surgeon, but they have a farm and through lockdown he hasn't been flying, of course. And Mm, so mm. he has now 70 sheep that have been lambing. And my daughter had been saying, oh, mom, can we have one of Uncle Rob's lambs? And I was like, absolutely not. You know, like <laughs> we live in the city, first of all, and we have enough trouble looking after all of ourselves at times. What did we come home with, Alan? <laughs> was this overplaying your strength of zest? This was overplaying a lot of strengths, I think. The overplaying <laughs> strength of kindness to Jess and to the lamb and creativity thinking, I can make this work, you know. So, you know, there were no more lambs. They were all finished. It just so happened in the time that we were there, a mummy sheep became sick and mm. then died, leaving oh. a little lamb that was going oh, to be all alone. Oh, an lamb. Oh, no. <laughs> and so there was no milk powder left over. There was nothing for this little lamb. And I'm calling my husband who's going, you are not doing that. You live in Metro <laughs> Melbourne. You are at, he's all prudence. He's like, what are the council regulations? So we arrive home and his first thing is, the council regulations say no livestock must live in our municipality. Yeah. Don't tell the council. He'll be gone again in a few (laughs) weeks. We just need to feed him up so he's strong enough. But just for me, it was just a perfect example of the different strengths. My husband went straight to the rules and I went straight to the heart, you know. (laughs) And so as I was driving back thinking, where are we going to find, you know, the special milk replacement stuff in the city. Like no one feeds carbs and, and the thing's bleating in the back and everything. I'm thinking, what on earth have I done? Because Jess was just like, mum, you know, it would mean the world to me and I'll work so hard at my exams. And, you know, and she really is so in love with animals and it brings her mm. so mm. much joy. So, you know, my other part of the positive psychology brain was going, imagine how much positive emotion it will bring to our family. Imagine how much community connection when people bring, you know, their 
kids around to pat the lamb. So anyway, that's what happened. And that was my funny little overplay of strengths. So Helen, <laughs> how um, did you get off? Hopefully you didn't do anything quite as crazy. I, I have not added any additional <laughs> livestock <laughs> or family members to my family over the course of the last week. It was interesting actually, because we did touch last week on this idea of strengths being a very individual thing and that even if you have a couple of similar strengths, that combination of strengths can wire people up to live and experience the world quite differently. And as you were going through your top strengths, Marie, I realised that we had absolutely no overlap whatsoever. <laughs> and mine are all completely different. That's why we work. Mine are, are, are all head strengths, which probably doesn't surprise anybody who knows me well. I don't have so many heart strengths, sadly something that I consciously do try to work on in terms of developing strengths because we can do that. So minor judgment, which yep. I think you did mention last week as well, is not about being judgy. I know sometimes right. when people see judgment as one of their top strengths, they're like, oh, my God, that's awful. I don't want to be. But it no. is about how we synthesise information and come to decisions. Yeah. yeah, so it's often about making sure, not necessarily consciously, but it's just a natural wiring to look at all the different perspectives and try and, you know, synthesize the information before you come to a decision. So that's very much me. Perspective is one of mine as well as uh, curiosity and love of learning, which are two that I have reflected on a lot in the context of producing this podcast because I think it really has given me an opportunity to exercise my strength of curiosity in particular one of the things that I love is that I get to ask questions and absolutely be curious about a whole range of topics with people. And so that is a strength that I think in the last couple of years as I've been doing this has been something that I've really been able to play to a lot, maybe overplay. And perspective as well because you get to share wisdom and be curious and learn. And perspective as well. Yeah, absolutely. And Love of learning is another one as well. So, again, talking to, in most of our episodes, a different person every week and mm. I get to learn as I go, which really does, it fuels and re-energises me. And I think, you know, in the context of our conversation today about accountability, one of my really strong professional interests is around motivation and what contributes to our motivation. So playing to your strength is a great contributor to motivation. Yes. It keeps me going. It keeps me producing this podcast season after season after season yes, yes. because I actually get as much energy and mm -hmm. inspiration and excitement from each of the conversations that I have. A lot of the production pieces that I thankfully now outsource to a wonderful team, I do in part because none of those bits play to my strengths. Mm. <laughs> Audio editing, putting together the promotional material, the website, none of that particularly plays to my strengths at all. Not so I either. allow others in the team to play to their strengths in doing those pieces of the full exercise. But for me, it's about having the conversation. So that plays to that. And then the one strength that I have that is not a wisdom strength, so our strengths fall into when you do the VIA mm -hmm. strength survey and for anyone who has done it in the week since we talked about it in our last conversation, they sit under these kind of higher order categories that they call the virtues. And I'm not sure that I love some of the language that's used mm. around this, but anyway, they're called the virtues. And wisdom is one of the virtues. So four of my top five strengths fall into that category of wisdom strengths. But my fifth one is forgiveness, which oh. I think fits into the humanity. 
Yes. Virtue? I think, I you're think right. it does. Yeah. So forgiveness. That's not a head one. That's no, yeah. no, no. So that's my non head strength. Yes. Your non head <laughs> one. Yes. My yes, non head yeah. one. Yes. The one that makes me a bit more human is forgiveness. So it is, which <laughs> I see play out in lots of ways. Do you sometimes overplay forgiveness? Ellen? I do overplay for forgiveness, yes. Yeah. And so one of the things that I need to be aware of is not. Mm making myself a doormat. Exactly. For playing mm. that strength of forgiveness that I do need to assert boundaries where yes. it's important for my own yeah. well-being. That yeah. has very much been a learned skill over time. I wouldn't say I'm necessarily particularly good at it in every case, but it is something I'm at least conscious of now that yeah. you, yeah, sometimes you just can't forgive everyone for everything, but it no. certainly is very much part of my wiring. I've come to notice that a lot. Yes. And because people will take you for granted if you'll just forgive, 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 forgive. So oftentimes, you know, when I see people with forgiveness, I ask them that very question, mm. you know, mm. does that sometimes get overplayed in ways that you then end up feeling like a doormat? And so I, I, that's really good that you sort of notice that in the same way I have to watch the kindness. Mm. Mm. It's taken me a long time to come to that, to be fair. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Perhaps wasn't so good at it in my 20s, but I've got better. That's right. my, That's like, a beautiful 40s. thing that comes with age. Yeah. Excellent. And um, I'm trying to think whether there's any... Uh, look, I, I I feel like I'm so well immersed in this whole thoughtfulness around strengths that I wouldn't say that I've necessarily noticed anything in particular in the last week with it, yeah. but I have had some great conversations with other people about their strengths and talking about the importance and the benefits of understanding your strengths mm. just to mm. allow you to be your best self. Good. Well, it sounds like we both did our homework and we did our quest and I'm glad you didn't end up with a lamb. Yeah, <laughs> so am I. <laughs> so am I. So what are we talking about this week? It's accountability. Tell us a little more it about is. accountability, Murray. So, you know, some of our listeners, as you said, they're very literate in positive psychology and they would be familiar with Martin Seligman's PERMA framework. And I had used that for many years, as you would have as well. And I guess, you know, part of the thing for me with creating Beacon, as I would have mentioned, I wanted something with more metaphor and to be more memorable. I wanted it to be able to sort of span from the individual to the collective. But another thing that was not part of PERMA but became part of Beacon was accountability. And that's because I've observed so much whether whether it's individuals or whether it is a system, the importance of we can know all of the things in the world about what it takes to thrive, but that is not going to help us one iota if we don't hold ourselves accountable and, mm. and apply that. So it's that sort of that knowing doing gap that we often find. And I find many times people, if you ask them and if you seek to sort of really listen you can discover that they know what works for them. It's mm. about sticking to it, isn't Doing it? That it. there's the mm. tricky thing. So mm. what we often say is thriving is not a spectator sport. You mm -hmm. can't sit back and watch it happen. Yep, knowing about it is not enough. That's right. Getting physically fit and healthy does not just mean eating one piece of broccoli and one visit to the gym. It requires constant attention. And it's the same for our mental health and, and our thriving. And so this is what really accountability is about. It means that for individuals, they've got to do stuff. In workplaces and systems, it means that if we want our team or our workplace to shine its brightest, we are 
all accountable for that. Mm. Every mm. single one of us is part of what makes this place feel good and function well. And so that's the other lens of accountability for me is that, you know, that interplay between the me and the we and the fact that, you know, I think you would relate to this talking to leaders who who find these tricky conversations about how sometimes people are not very good at holding themselves accountable for doing stuff and they need to recognise that it's not just about them, it's about the contagion effect that that has for mm. other people. And so, you know, in terms of that sort of leadership piece as well for individuals, it's, it's that beautiful combination of grit and grace. So how do we hold ourselves and others accountable in a very gritty way, in a very sort of fierce way, but how do we combine that with the grace that says, sometimes I haven't got what it takes, sometimes I'm exhausted, sometimes I'm legitimately overwhelmed, depleted, kept up at night by a barring lamb <laughs> or, you know, whatever it is, there are days when it's okay to say, I don't have what it takes, but we can't do that every day, right? We can't make those excuses every day. So accountability is about holding ourselves accountable for doing what we need to do to thrive, but it is also about knowing that sometimes we pull back from that sort of grittiness with grace. And so this beacon beam has got like the, like engagement had a lot of E's, this has got a lot of G's. It's about goals, it's about grit, it's about grace, and it's about growth mindset. And growth mindset is is really about knowing that we that we can change and we can thrive more if we put in effort and we're intentional. So that's what accountability is about. That was a long answer, Alan. I'm sorry. No, I'll do that's that. okay. That's okay. Well, I'm going to ask you now for a, a practical example. Where where do people perhaps struggle with accountability and why? Well, I think that's a great question. I think it is a big source of struggle and, and you will have had so many coaching clients over the years that come and they, as I say, they know what to do, they don't do it. And I think that people will often make excuses of I'm too busy, it's too hard, I'm just not that kind of person, I don't have time, I'm not worthy, you know, mm. of looking after myself are some of the things that people might say that they they just don't prioritise themselves amongst the busyness. So they have all of these what I would call kind of backdoors that they sneak out in terms of why they can't rather than why they can. And so I think that tied up in putting ourselves first, thinking that, you know, maybe it's I'm just not a, an exercise person you know, I'm a busy person, I'm a this person, that person. It, 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 there, it, there is a relationship between this and our identity, who we see ourselves now and how we see ourselves in the future. And I just discovered that you have a master's in this, Alan, so I bow down to your greater <laughs> knowledge about sort of goal setting and motivation. But what I know from my sort of limited expertise in this is that how we see the future affects what we will do today. And so if I see myself in the future as being someone who is in a career I love and who is strong and healthy and connected, what does that mean for what I will do today? And how do these things fit with how I see myself? So for many, 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 many years, I saw myself as someone that didn't exercise. I just mm. I thought I couldn't, shouldn't and wouldn't set foot in a gym. And that's just a belief that I held about myself. And therefore, I did not exercise. And so 
you know, it is a complex thing again that some of the reasons we don't do it are tied in with beliefs that we hold. Mm. And so, again, this is where it's good to work with a coach, you know, to sort of unravel some of these stories that we tell and some of these beliefs and how it is impacted by our identity. But in a sort of very simple way, we need to find out what, you know, we need to know what to do. That's the first bit. And in some ways, the easy bits, you know, what is going to help me thrive? And you and I are sharing little quests around mm. that. Mm. So how are people going to hold themselves to those things? There's the what, but it's also why does this matter to me mm. really deeply? Why does it matter? For the sake of what will I get up at 6 a.m. every morning and exercise? For the sake of what will I take time for some mindfulness? For the sake mm. of what will I eat healthily? Mm. For the sake of what will I take time to connect with other people? And so I think that those are all kind of components uh, and we need to make personal commitments and we need to kind of break it down into tiny pieces. And that's the piece that really fascinates me, that that why piece. I mean, we use this term why, I found my why, and we use it so frequently mm-hmm. these days. What was the difference? What was the why for you in making that shift from being that I'm not an exerciser person to somebody who does exercise. How did that work for you to make that shift? It's a good question. Do you know what? It happened so long ago and when I was, you know, young and I didn't, I probably didn't think as deeply about things. I, I think probably for me it happened through connection, uh, I, have, mm-hmm. I have to say. I'd like to say something different because I think it would fit the story better. <laughs> no, but I, I think it's important that we actually explore these realities because I think there's so much out there in the world that says, you know, to use exercise as an example because I know it's one that people struggle with a lot mm. because we know why we should do it, but mm. it can also be really uncomfortable and crappy and actually not that much fun. Mm. And there's so much out there that says to us we should exercise for our health, which is such a kind of a, oh, an intangible, yes, or we should exercise. Well, a lot of social media tells us that we should exercise to look a certain look way, good. which again yeah. is such a challenge mm. for the vast majority of people. Mm. So I think actually unpacking people's real lived experience yes. of what's made the difference can help us to see that it's often lots of different, interesting, varied and unique little snippets of things that might even feel a little bit random (laughs) but have made a difference. Maybe our strengths come to play here as well because if we think about how to get over that line, how to break that barrier between someone that doesn't do something and someone that does, how do Mm. we go with the way that we're wired and how do we? So for me, if I know that I'm a very zesty person, I'm a kind person, I'm a people person, you're a curious person. you know, and you love learning. So if we were to take those different strengths and think about how to get over the line of exercising, you would want to be curious and go and try all the things. You might want to learn, you know, different ways of moving and then choose them. You'll obviously want to make good judgment in your decision-making because that's how you're wired. For me, it worked to to go with other people. Mm. You know, and uh, if I made a commitment to them, my kindness, you know, meant that I would I would show up for them yeah. in the first instance until it began to give me benefits, until mm-hmm. I began to change my identity. Mm-hmm. And that takes time to now I'm someone that would exercise most days. And, you know, now it's about going with my daughter or my kids and with friends. So I, I don't like to exercise on my own. So mm. I set things up where I 
have, you know, this weekend gone. I didn't even say this. This was crazy. We went and did one of those jump in the ocean and stay in the cold water kind of things that's oh, getting broken. Goodness. Oh, goodness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so um, that was with a group of girlfriends. And, you know, I've got these little WhatsApp groups now, the hiking group and the jump in the sea group and the, <laughs> you know, the morning sort of stretch group. And, you know, that's my sort of crazy zesty ADHD thing because I like variety, but I like doing it with people and I like being in, in nature and being outside. So for me, you know, how do we begin to do the things we don't like? Bring in the things we know that work for us. Mm, mm. And I do think having an accountability buddy is a very good idea. Mm-hmm. Who else wants to do the thing that you want to do? You and I mm. said, oh, we we haven't meditated for a while and we'd like to, you know, do that again. Mm, well, mm. you know, that would be great for me to say, okay, I'll be your meditating group. Yeah, or set ourselves <laughs> accountable, you know, hold ourselves accountable. Oh, I just did an insight timer that I liked. Here, try this or or do it together. Yeah. yeah. And these are good too because they're helping our connections, you know, yeah. they're helping our belonging. So they're all mm. sort of, as I think I've said before, I love it when we can do things that amplify in exercising in nature with a friend, you mm. know, you're getting more of those things. So, you know, I think you probably have some some great ideas for us as well in terms of, you know, setting goals, finding motivation. Are there things that from way back in your <laughs> days of doing your masters that you remember or that perhaps you, you know, use now with your clients around what what do you think helps people to hold themselves accountable to do what they often know or have just learned that they need to do to thrive. Absolutely. And I think you've really hit on the best example I could give in your explanation of what worked for you, because as you were talking, I was thinking, oh, that's not me at all, because I'm quite different. So (laughs) I only exercise alone because it is a bit of me time, you know, being an introverted person and and being a person who likes to think things through and, and my love of learning. So yesterday, for example, I, despite being very tired because I did go out the night before and I'm getting old (laughs) and I don't recover well. I took the dog for a walk around the lake and listened to the psychology podcast, one of my favorite podcasts, which is very nerdy, deep psychological conversation, philosophical conversation. But that's the kind of thing that lights me up. So I think this, and this is absolutely what I do with my clients and a lot of what my training has told me is that understanding what works for you as an individual. And I think that's one of the challenges with so much of what we hear publicly about developing habits and about, you know, there's lots of techniques, there's piggybacking, there's, you know, understanding the why, there's the, you know, if then what, I've forgotten what the sequence is. Mm. There's lots of different things that are out there that are great tips, great strategies, all evidence-based, but they're not all going to work for each and every one of us. That identity piece that you mentioned, Mm. the strengths, your own interests, and what tends to happen is that we try something that everybody else has raved about or Mm. we've read about in a book and we've gone, this is the way that it works. This will be my Mm. magic ticket to developing this new habit that I will sustain forevermore. Mm. And then we try it and it doesn't work. Yeah. And then we're like, well, I'm clearly oh, just... that's not for me. Yeah, yes. I'm clearly just not yes. cut out for this. I'm never yep. going to be an exerciser. And yep. look, I've done it. You know, I've I've had stints where I've tried running. I've had stints where I've gone to the gym. I've had stints, but I've not been able to sustain them. The things that I have, have been able to sustain in terms of exercise have been yoga mm-hmm. and walking. Yes, beautiful. They're the two things. Mm-hmm. And so it really is trying to understand what it is about those 
as an example for me that work and I think that's the same for well, I don't think I know that's the same for everybody else. It's really being able to do exactly what you've done, you know, actually think about, well, what's going to help me continue this new behaviour yeah. long enough that it, we do start to reap some of those other yeah. benefits and starting to unpack that. And that's a very unique and individual situation. Yes. And sometimes it's just a lot of trying out different things. There's a lot of experimentation yeah. that takes place there to see, you know, which bits work and and why. You know, I've tried yeah. walking on my own. I haven't really seemed I get bored. So do I try walking with somebody else? Maybe walking's not the thing for me. Maybe it's swimming. Maybe it's yeah. so forgetting about the kind of the narrative, the stories that we get told about what we should mm-hmm. do and why and how, and just getting a little experimental with it and trying what yeah. works for us as individuals. Yeah. And, then, and I think that's the thing, you know, that we speak about every time is how do we also know what we want to do and what we want to try, embrace curiosity by sampling, you know, mm. and then just going, oh, what would happen if I tried this? What would, And not holding it too tightly. Yes. You know, so yes. as I would say to people, hold it lightly, not tightly, just yeah. going on and giving it a go and knowing that a little bit is better than none. So yes. the other thing that I think about that's important once we know what it is that we want to stick to is we have to be prepared. We have to plan you know, and we have to reduce the amount of friction and noise between thinking about it and doing it, Mm. right? So if I know that I want to eat healthily, then I need to go to the supermarket and I need to have those things on hand and I need to have them prepared. So at the moment, my husband and I are doing a detox, a liver detox kind of thing, because I had elevated liver levels, is it like as if I had been drinking too much in COVID, which actually I hadn't. <laughs> so we're doing that and it's like, you know, you've got to have quinoa porridge and chia puddings and you've got to have, you know, salmon and veggies or whatever. You can't just grab something. You have mm, to be mm. prepared. You have to have done it the night before. You have to have the things at hand or you'll break it. And mm. then once you've broken it, you think, oh, you know, what's the point in carrying on? I've already broken it. Mm. So there is a lot of need to think ahead and plan ahead and making sure that we are committing to it. And I think as well, if you're going to exercise the next morning, you have to, it starts the night before. So you've got to lay out your exercise gear, you know, get one of those little tubs, put your runners, put your socks, put your stuff right by your bed. So as soon as you swing your bed, you know, or I actually sleep in my exercise gear. Oh, I know somebody else who does that too. (laughs) And so there is no excuses. And, you know, I do get very grumpy if anything interrupts that path between when I get up and when I get out the door, because the reason I get grumpy is because I fear I will can see the risk be, in there. I yes, I will get drawn off path and then I won't want to do it. Mm. And it's not something that I enjoy until afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> oftentimes. And so the the dopamine kind of hasn't kicked in and you're mm. using a lot of willpower. Mm. So we know willpower is higher in the morning than it is in the evening. So I think trying to do new things that require us to hold ourselves accountable are better earlier in the day. And willpower is a muscle that gets worn out. And Mm. so if we are trying to regulate ourselves in too many ways, we'll get depleted. So don't try and do a bunch of habits and don't try and do habits or or practices that are too long, Mm. I think would be the other thing that I would say is just starting out with with a small amount of it and embedding that. And once that's embedded, then layer something else. Mm. And the other thing I think that is really important in all of this is that changing, there's a lot of mythology around changing habits. 
and how long it's supposed to take. Yes. You know, you, you see lots of things that say, oh, it takes 21 days to change a habit. Well, yeah. if you look into the psychological research, that's only if it's an exceedingly simple, straightforward, habitual task. Yeah. Anything that's more complex, and most of our behaviours are more complex, yeah. it can take up to many, many months in order to embed that as a new habit. And, of course, trying to sustain that in an everyday kind of way yes. is virtually impossible because there will be periods when we get tired or we get stressed or life has been thrown into some other loop that we yeah. just have to stick with for a short while. And so self-compassion is a really big part of this, understanding that it's okay to have days when it's oh, too difficult. It's yes. okay to have days and, and even long periods. And I think going back to that identity thing that you, you spoke about earlier, I have been practicing yoga now for at least 20 years. Now I say wow. that and I my identity is somebody who does practice yoga. I could hand on heart say I probably haven't done any or I might have done like one practice in the last month. Now, yeah. that doesn't mean I'm not still and it doesn't mean I won't go back to it. And I think this is a really important yeah. piece, particularly around procrastination and some of these kind of loops that we get into where we feel that if I've stopped doing it, therefore I now give up because I can't yeah. do it, I won't do yeah. it, it's not who I am. That's not the case. We know from procrastination research that if we add a little bit of self-compassion mm. into the mix yeah. and we say that's okay, that I've not done this yet I can go or back that I've to not it. done it this week, I will go yeah. back to it Yeah, because otherwise we get stuck in these kind of negative thought patterns yeah. or negative thought loops that keep yeah. us trapped. But as soon yeah. as we actually, and it's funny because for some reason, and maybe it's a narrative again, we feel that we have to be harsh and tough on ourselves yes, to maintain the habits yeah. that we have to, that we're mm. somehow letting ourselves off the hook yeah. if we have a day off, if we're not feeling up to it. And I see a lot of that. And that mm. is actually contrary to what the research tells us, That's right. that if we have some self-compassion in there and we actually allow ourselves to say, that's okay that I haven't got to it this week. It's been a particularly difficult week. I will come back to yeah. it. And that's yeah. the important part. It is the I will come back yeah. to it. And then seeing those patterns emerge over time. So even though I can say I haven't done any yoga, I know I will come back yes. to it. And I know I will get back into the routine and the rhythm and that's okay. It's just a pause, too. isn't it? It's a pause. And, yeah. and that these are long-term. You know, we're not talking about, and I think, again, you know, the you seven-day cleanses or your eight-week shredding things or whatever, yeah, all yeah, of yeah. these different, particularly around the physical exercise ideas that we have, what gets perpetuated out there is that you have to go hard for a, this period of time and that's what makes the difference. And yet that's contrary to how we actually develop habits over time. We can do it in a much more gentle, kind way and we think about it as a lifelong pursuit, not something that I'm going to knock over in eight weeks. So I think that's yep. been one of the really key things for me in understanding the habits that emerge and then allowing those habits to actually become habits, to keep yourself accountable. Yes. It doesn't matter if it's not every day, every morning for everyone. You know, some people yes. are wired up for that. Some people are wired up for that kind of routine. I must do it every day. It's how it works for me. And that's fantastic. For other people, look, that's not how it will work and that's okay too. So understanding that yep individual component in there 
makes a big difference and then not beating ourselves up when we feel like we have, inverted commas, failed. That's right. And because, you know, if you hate it, you won't go back to it. No. That's what I tell myself. So, you know, if, I, if I'm running and I push too hard and I absolutely feel like I'm going to throw up. Yeah. I'm, and look, there are people who go to the excess on things. So, you know, yeah. that's, that's. I'm married to one of those. So, yes. <laughs> All or nothing. <laughs> but but for me, I'm always thinking, how do I keep this as enjoyable? Like push myself enough mm. so that it makes a difference, mm. but not so far as I hate it. And yeah. our brain craves novelty. Yep. So it's important that we keep it fresh and new and, try, you know, mix it up a little bit. And fun. I think that's the other thing that we underestimate fun. in all of this. I think it, there's there's not enough fun, although maybe you start to see it a little more. I'm seeing particularly on social media some of these dance classes and, you know, mm. Zumba and some of these things that Zumba, yeah. have a fun element to them. I don't yeah. think there's probably been enough fun and laughter and lightness yes. incorporated into much yeah. of the sports and fitness storylines that we hear. But I know Play. we had, yeah, we, mm. we went for a walk around with the kids. So we have a, a lovely lake here in Ballarat. And so we were walking around the lake and they've put in a whole lot of outdoor exercise equipment you know, publicly available. And it's sort of the, a modified version of what you might find in the gym. And so we all just hopped on and had a play and tried out all these different things, you know, step machines and, you know, there were cycling things and there were lifting things. And, and for me, I, and I haven't done it, but I think I might at some stage, maybe I should make myself accountable to this yeah, while we're talking like about it, it on the podcast. I just thought, oh, in nice weather, because outdoors is important to me as well. So mm. it's un unpacking again those other contributors to your motivation to do something new. And outdoors is important to me. And so this is outdoors and it's a little bit fun. You know, it, there, there is novelty and yeah. it's just new. And I thought maybe maybe I'll go and I'll say to my husband, maybe we'll just go and, you know, we'll just have a play and yes. try these things out and curiosity. just have a little bit of fun with it, just out of yeah. The, yeah, that curiosity piece in there as well. And I would never underestimate the importance of that, you know, making yes. it fun, keeping it light and yeah. just, again, see what happens, see it as an experiment. You know, I'm just going to try this out and see what happens and maybe I'll keep doing it because it was fun. But when we're very hard and fast and very rigid around I must do this thing this certain way and I must do it every day, we are almost setting ourselves up for failure. Yeah, and that, I, that reminds me as well, another thing that I think is important is the language we use around these things. You know, I must, I have to. Mm, it feels arduous, Yeah. you know, and so I've started trying to say to myself, I get to, Yes. I choose to, Yes. you know, because it is hard, you know, we've talked a lot about exercise, but there are many different mm, things we need course. to hold ourselves accountable for. But by their very nature, if we have to hold ourselves accountable, there's some form of blockage and, and, and willpower required. So, you know, for me saying I get to get up in the morning and go down to the beach to exercise mm. or I choose to do this detox because I've had some blood tests that haven't been so flash or I choose to spend some time mindfully because I know that helps to recenter me rather than have to, have to, have to, have to, which mm. just adds this kind of other layer of stress and overwhelm and feels like kind of unfair, you know, I mm. have to do all these things. Yeah, yeah, it's an obligation. Yeah, and it's very different because we do get to choose and mm. we do get to say to ourselves, who do I want to be? How do I want to show up? And for me that the answers to those questions are very much what leads me to be able 
to hold myself accountable. If I want to show up energetic, because, you know, like I have zest in my strengths and I'm sure it's an absolute surprise to anyone, but I am zesty and I am energetic. And so if I want to show up with energy and enthusiasm and my brain really sort of firing on all cylinders, then I know exercising early in the day helps me to do that. Mm. And so I Mm. say to myself, because I have the strength of kindness and I have it. So, you know, if you want to be kind to others, you need to do this for you. Mm. And so, you know, we sort of play around with some of these, how do we apply our strengths? You know, Mm. I want to be around other people. So I'll invite Anna along to do that with me or Mm. or whatever. I won't invite Alan because she's listening to her podcast. (laughs) (laughs) She doesn't want to talk to anyone because she uses exercise for decompression. It's kind of my (laughs) strategies. And it is that language piece. You know, after this, I get to go for a long walk. It's not I have to, it's I get to because to me that is an opportunity for decompression and and where I choose to go, we have the luxury of having a lot of bushland around us. And so just that experience of being in the bush and, you know, I take the dog and absorbing nature and being able to either listen to a podcast for my love of learning or listen to music, which is another way that I I decompress. It's a joyous experience now. It's not arduous it's something that I really choose to do because it's something for me. But it is now because you've you've gotten into it you've gotten past the, the, the barrier of it. <laughs> and so yeah. how do we help our listeners then as we move into our kind of quest giving stage yes. of the podcast? How do we help them if they're not at that stage yet of holding themselves accountable for something that matters? And so I think, you know, we were gonna we were going to set them a quest around making a habit. Yeah, absolutely. Or even just perhaps unpacking what you'd like to make a habit. So again, breaking it down into Mm. small steps, which is always important in all of these quests to change some behaviours and thrive. Mm. So unpacking perhaps what it is and why you want to make that change. And then I would suggest even setting yourself a little challenge to try one small thing. Just to see how it goes. This has been something I've been working with my coaching clients a lot on lately is let's just view this as an experiment. Mm -hmm. You know, let's just try it out. What's one small thing that I might like to try this week just to see how it goes? No expectation that I do it forever. Just being curious to find out what it feels like, what works and what doesn't work. Yeah. And that would be my suggestion, I suppose, for anybody who's looking to over the longer term or at least explore perhaps a new habit or a new behaviour. Yeah, I love that. And so you're using curiosity and you're not setting it up as have to. Yep. I get to do this and I get to explore and play and be curious about what happens when I do this for a week. Yeah. How does it feel? And so, you know, I was going to add to that as well in terms of, so if our quest is trying something new for the week, that is something that we've been wanting to do for a while that we know is going to contribute. So we might call this a healthy habit. And, you know, I would add, I guess, one thing that's been helpful for me is understanding how habits work and sort of, you know, Charles Duhigg's habit loop. So, you know, for me, being able to know that that loop has a cue, a routine and a reward. And the cue is tying the new thing that you want to do on to something you already do. So yeah. something that's already a habit. So we yep. clean our teeth every day, we eat lunch every day, we start work, we finish work, we have lunch breaks. There are things that are handles in our days 
that can act as a cue or a lever to a new habit. So if, for example, meditation is something that that I want to add back in because it's fallen off, um, fallen off the wagon of meditation. So I'm, you know, I already kind of mostly I'm concentrating on doing some movement in the morning, um, and then I'm getting the kids out the door or whatever, and then I'm getting a coffee or I'm getting some food and I'm starting to work. But I want to in that space before I start work take some time to meditate. And in the thing that's blocking me is thinking that it's going to take a long time and I'm too busy. So Mm. I want to tell myself, actually, five minutes, two minutes, even one minute is proven to be better than nothing. Yes. And so I want my cue to be starting work because starting work happens every day. So starting work is the cue. The routine is the five minutes of meditation. And the reward is that I get to go and grab my coffee and start work. Ellen, you might say, well, I want to do five push-ups a day and I'm going, I know that I clean my teeth before I go to bed. So I'm going to, every time I clean my teeth, I'm going to get down and <laughs> I'm pretty sure you're going to hate it. Maybe down push-ups. dogs would be better for you. Yes, down dogs would be better for me. Maybe you could do some sun salutations. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That and be that for as me. you were winding down for bed, that might be better anyway. But tying them on to something we already do doing the the action and then a little reward because our brain craves that dopamine reward and the reward might be as simple as ticking it off you know even just mentally ticking it off good I did that and I said I'd do it for a week tick that's day one that's day two it might be messaging your accountability buddy it might be having your coffee it might be going to bed whatever it is that follows that that you get to move on and progress because your brain likes that and if we want our brain to kind of keep doing it so cue, routine, reward. We'll put it in the in the show notes. And if anyone wants to look up Charles Duhigg's habit loop, they'll find images of that anyway. So yes. my one's going to be that I'm going to commit to is that meditation thing because mm-hmm. I've been trying to sort of do that for a while in my head and it hasn't been translating into action. Into practice. Yes. Mm-hmm. What might you have a go at? And I will because I did put it out there. It, it's not the outdoor exercise equipment because I think that's going to take a little longer to get organised. But I will. I don't know. Sun salutation sounds like a really good idea. It's going to be short yoga practice nice. every day nice. because I have the same challenge around it not fitting into or feeling like or telling yeah. myself that it's not Can't fitting fit. into the routine mm. because I've had children at home and mm. I, the only space I've got to practice in is the middle of the living room. Does the dog come and start The, the dog does around. come, but I can cope with the dog, but it's it's family members wandering in and out, you know, being this the, the lonesome exercise. Yeah. I Get away! I don't, I, I, I don't want people around me. So um, doing some kind of practice, and, and I have down, I've I've got an app here. I've got all the tools. Um, It is just getting back into the habit of it. And I think that thinking about where it fits into the day, what is the cue for the doing of it will be really critical to me. So I'm going to have a play around with that, but I'm also going to do it in the spirit of experimentation and see what works. And if it doesn't work, if I find myself not doing it, I'm going to be totally okay with that. You're going to be kind to yourself. I'm going to be kind to myself and say, right, well, I tried that and it didn't work. What else can I try? Yeah. rather than dismissing the whole lot as a bad job. And that if you don't do it this week, that you might do it the week after. It's not like all over. It's not all doom and gloom, all or nothing thinking. Well, that's good. So, you know, I I could, may I 
to see this as the I want to double. I want, I want to do sun salutations right before I meditate now. <laughs> small steps, Marie, small steps. <laughs> oh, good. All right. Well, we'll check in on you. And, you know, that's the funny thing that once you start, oftentimes you want to do a bit more, don't yes, you? You know, once indeed. you've done sort of one sun salutation, you'll be like, oh, my goodness, I can kind of do that for five minutes, no problem at all. And yeah. it is about, as you said, tools. Really important that if there's anything you need to do it, that you have it at hand because yes. that will create a blocker. Oh, you know, what meditation app will I use? Or where's my <laughs> yoga mat? Or, you know, or who am I going to, you know, use to guide me? Am I going to have Cassandra or Adrienne for my yoga yep. teacher today? Yes, you know? yes. No, yeah. that's exactly. So I've got all of that set up so there's really nothing stopping Good. me. So we'll we'll both head forth on our personal quests. Our and, quests. of course, listeners, you do the same. Get ready. And let us know how you go. And we will be back next week. We We will will. put all of those resources in the show notes. I'm also going to add in BJ Fogg's talks on piggybacking habits because that's where a lot of the uh, original research comes from. And we will be back next week to talk about the next beam Mm. of the Beacon Framework. What are we up to? We've done B-E-A. We're up to C. And C is compassion. And that's going to be perfect because you and I have already been touching in on that. Yes. We've already been talking about the need to be compassionate for ourselves. So in that, we're going to not only cover self-compassion, but we'll talk a little bit about the signs of kindness as well if we have time. So that is one of my personal favourite topics, given that kindness is a strength of mine and something I highly value. So I am very much looking forward to that. And now I've committed to meditation. I will uh, be able to report back on how I go with that. (laughs) Perfect. (laughs) So we will be back next week. Thank you, Marie. I will see you then. And we're looking forward to having all of our listeners back with us. I want to hear. I want them to tell us. What did they do? What what habit did they do and how do they get on? So please let let us us know. know. Yeah. Thanks so much, Helen. See you next week. Listening to this episode of the Potential Psychology Podcast and our revisit of the How to Thrive series, co hosted with Marie McLeod. If you enjoyed this episode, please do let us know. You can rate and review the podcast in Apple Podcasts, I believe also in Spotify now, and maybe let us know on our social media channels or directly via the Potential Psychology website, potential.com.au. And if you're interested in applying a more positive approach to your life, Marie offers individual and corporate coaching packages and her e-learning beacon program via the website needtoseesomeone.com. And you can find out more about How to Thrive the Film at howtothrivefilm.com. Now, if you haven't heard, you can also now become a special VIP member of the Potential Psychology Podcast community with access to bonus episodes, the first of which is now ready and waiting for you. Dr. Mike Rucker, co-host of our most recent podcast series on fun and well-being, are discussing the importance of making time for fun and positive experiences in our workplaces with tips in this bonus episode on better email and meeting management and the kind of physical workplace that we need to really thrive. To join as a subscriber at the tiny little cost of $5.99 a month, that is in Australian dollars, head to our website, potential.com.au or to anchor.fm forward slash potential psychology forward slash subscribe. I'm looking forward to seeing you there in our little inner sanctum. In the meantime, enjoy our revisit of how to thrive for Mental Health Month and take small steps to fulfil your potential. Potential.